Hey guys, it's Chris Bircher with Knowledge Plus Experience Eagles Wisdom. This is episode 53, Our Versus Should Examples. So if you've been following along since episode 50, I've taken a new direction trying to address what I call the R versus should problem. The difference between the person that you are and the person that you feel like you're supposed to be or that you should be, uh, that you, you have these two conflicting voices in your head. And we've talked a little bit about the personal inventory and sort of what uh, that that uh, R versus should problem is. But I wanted to throw out a few examples before we move too much further along and sort of sketch out the uh, the elements uh, that I think are going to be driving um, us to the, to, the, to the next stage of sort of figuring out where we are. So first of all, I, you know, I've talked about a lot of these things in my previous episodes because really the first 50 episodes of Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom were, were me sort of, uh, you know, dumping all of the puzzle pieces out onto the table and then sort of just turning them over and organizing them all. Now we're putting it together. And, I, and in that process, I got a lot of the pieces out. Uh, and now I just got to put those pieces together. And some of those pieces are going to be things um, that typify the R versus should dilemma. Things like analysis paralysis. When you're in this state of indecision and having trouble, it's because you're hearing multiple options. And uh, in episode 11, I talked about analysis paralysis and what that is and where that comes from. And that that's a big indicator of sort of being in the R, in the R versus should. You know, anytime you have an internal conflict when making a decision or, um, you know, uh, uh, doubt, if you have doubt about what you're feeling that you should do or want to do in some given case, which we'll talk about some examples in a minute, you know, episode 28, I discussed how doubt can be healthy and it can be unhealthy. And a lot of this R versus should comes down to very thin line differences between something like, uh, I've said this, you know, in the narcissistic and, and codependency episode, I talked about the difference between narcissism and, um, uh, you know, self-preservation or assertiveness. Uh, it's a very thin line between getting your needs met and looking out for yourself and being uh, really selfish in a given situation. And you're going to see that a lot in the R versus should problem. Uh, one of the big elements I talked about in episode 21, uh, we all feel different, but we're really, really all the same. And one of the dangers of of the R versus should problem is becoming isolated. And there's a couple of other ones that we'll talk about. But the the and I had another episode, uh, get out of your head. I can't remember the number right now, but I'll put that in the in the show notes on the blog post on my website. Uh, the more in your head you get, the more you're having these internal discussions with yourself. The closer you are to being in the R versus should problem. Who are you talking to? Right? They're 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 sub elements. Uh, of your personality, which I'll talk about in a couple episodes in the future, sort of who these people are that are that are in your head. Um, and isolationism leads to bigger problems. Uh, I talked about old beliefs and limiting beliefs in episode nine. These are the things that we carry around with us and we and we believe in that sort of drive the decisions that we make. But we're not a hundred percent sure. We have multiple influential parties involved. And some of this can be as obvious between, well, my kids want to go to the pizza place for dinner, but my wife wants to go get Chinese and I want to get Mexican. So now we've got a conflict. And while this isn't exactly the R versus should dilemma, it puts us in a very similar space. Um, And it comes down to the who's right and how you decide to 
resolve these conflicts in decision-making will drive the type of person that you are. And what comes out, that type of person that comes out and is exposed to the people in your life, it may not be the type of person that you want to be. But for some reason, and maybe you know it, and maybe you get so frustrated when you lash out at your wife because she asks you a question or because you, um, you know, get... uh, 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 what's the word that people use? A passive aggressive with your husband when he has to do certain things. And you don't like that about yourself. And you don't understand why you do it. It comes down to this R versus should problem. You're having a conflict between two different sub-personalities and you, can, and you don't know which one to listen to, right? Certainly we've ha- had that before. So in the Who's Right episode, I talk about you know, do you, do you want to be, do you want to come out as ha- being victorious? Do you have a particular need or belief or or desire or characteristic in you that you want to be demonstrated and so you don't care what the outcome is as long as you're correct or are you a people pleaser and you're uh trying to avoid conflict um and then and then last episode I'll mention and really there are many more but in episode 26 I talked about habits and a lot of our habits come down to choices we make about whether we do things that we should think we should do or whether we do things uh, because they're closer to what we think we want to do or the person that we are. And really, wanting and, and is a completely different thing. What you want in a situation may not be the person that you are. You may not even realize what you're doing. And that's why we have to start with things like the personal inventory and, and sort of looking at everything that represents the people that we are and then making decisions about uh, whether or not we want to keep this as part of our personality uh, or not. And so the next thing I'll talk about briefly when it comes before we get into some specific examples is the idea that the R versus should sub problems can be benign, right? Or what I will call mild and moderate. And then they can be pretty severe depending on the nature of the question at hand and depending on whether or not there is a risk of danger to you as an individual or to your um, relationships with the people in your lives that are important to you. Or really it comes down to a conflict um, in your belief system and your values, which eventually we'll get to as using the personal inventory as a way of defining these things to give us sort of some, uh, not blinders, but at least a focus and a reference point uh, for resolving these conversations that we have in our heads. <laughs> um, and so like a, a mild or moderate or benign example of an R versus should problem could be something that just causes you like a little confusion or discomfort. You know, uh, this is completely random, but I take my four-year-old, almost five-year-old daughter to swim lessons and you know, I, I have a conflict about whether or not I should sit somewhere that makes uh, me more open to conversation with the people that are next to me, like the other parents that I know or the teacher, or if maybe I'm feeling standoffish and I'm just not in the mood to talk to people that day, if I'm going to sit somewhere that isn't conducive necessarily to having those conversations and whether or not that's going to look bad or whether or not I'm not a friendly person. And so that conflict starts in my head. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter where I sit, yeah, maybe somebody would think, oh, he seems, you know, very standoffish today. He must not be a very nice person. But in the in, at the end of the day, that 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 doesn't affect anybody, and probably everybody's going to forget about it when we leave, and nobody's going to treat me any differently next time. Um, so lots of examples like that. Uh, that 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 can be big 
issues, right? You know, like if you pass somebody in the grocery store, this happened the other day and somebody said something, a really nice compliment to my wife about how she looked in her dress and she didn't hear them. And it was also fast that it wasn't worth me sort of saying, hey, she just gave you a compliment and you blew her off. Um, that woman for an instant might think, you know, oh, she's a terrible person because she didn't recognize my compliment or she might think, Oh, she just didn't hear me. You know, that's that's pretty benign. But if I had told my wife and she realized that, she might beat herself up for the rest of the day for not noticing this woman and feel guilty about it. And so there, that sort of slides into something that causes potential damage to your mood uh, and how you're feeling. And that could be more of a moderate level R versus should problem. Something where you have a real conflict and you're having trouble making... Uh, a decision. You know, it's like, this is um, something I haven't talked about yet, but my my dad is going through sort of what we think are the early stages of dementia. And so we've had to make some decisions on his behalf to protect him and my uh, my mom um, because for safety issues, things like guns and whether or not he has in the house and access to cars that we're just not really that sure about. Um, and I'm conflicted because his independence is at stake. I don't really know how bad off he is. I don't know if he would do it, you know, have an episode and shoot the gun or I, I, I don't know. Um, and so it's like, what should I do? What, what would a good son do? You know, and that's, and that leads to sort of a, you know, I want to be nice. I want to recognize his independence. I, but I also don't want to take that risk and I want to take that. You know, anyway, so that, probably isn't really that severe because at the end at the end of the day I'm going to I'm going to keep you know make them safe and deal with whatever repercussions if he decides to get mad at me or cuss me out or whatever it is he wants to do. Yeah, that's that's a big deal, but it's not life-threatening. Although it could potentially be life-threatening, you know, but the my, the the dilemma that I'm under is not. Uh, the situation might be. And then there's really what I see as sort of the most severe expression of the R versus should problem. And that is when we create these problems for ourselves that can contribute to things like anxiety and depression and, and anger and, and sort of mood, um, dominant moods that maybe we don't find that pleasant. And this has to be separated sort of from um, neurological disorders that could be diagnosed as being primarily driven by brain chemistry or, or something. These are more how our behavioral uh, patterns, beliefs, and our thought processes can influence these things. And certainly, if we have pre-existing biological conditions, our mind can exacerbate them. Um, but I, you know, I'm not saying if you can solve the R versus should problem, you're no longer be schizophrenic or have ADD. I, not at all. Um, but certainly, for me personally, uh, anxiety is one of the worst feelings a person can have. And it's definitely a result of overanalyzing choices and being afraid of making the wrong decision uh, or you know any kind of fear of the future is anxiety, right? And things like depression and just a general mood. If you are walking around all day struggling at a high level with very fundamental differences in opinion, polarized differences in opinion in your head, um, that that is going to result in a lot of discomfort, to put it mildly. And that discomfort can follow, you know, 
a lot of different intensity levels leading up to something, you know, as bad as severe anxiety. And so if, if you have that, why wouldn't you not want to solve it? And maybe, so maybe it's time for, hopefully I will come up with a few examples that fit into those sort of, you know, a continuum of severity, let's say. But, you know, the general rule is that at the very least, this is going to make you uncomfortable. And at the worst case scenario, it can be a dominant emotional driver in your day-to-day life. I mean, trouble sleeping, a lot of these problems that we suffer from today can, can be improved upon by addressing the R versus should problem. So a couple of examples that I could I thought of beforehand, and hopefully I'll come up with a few more in the next five minutes or so. Uh, one is, um, you, you know, t- if you were taught, I grew up in the South, and I was taught to say, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. Or I don't know that my parents taught me that, but I definitely caught on uh, that around me that this is something that you do. And then I moved at 13 to Northwest Ohio, where that was not, sort of in the realm of the cultural norms. But it was a huge freaking deal in the South to the point where I remember, you know, parents slapping their kids in public for not, for forgetting to do that. It's not like these kids were rebelling and intentionally not saying it. Um, And then I've also noticed sort of the complete flip side in my life from insisting upon this becoming a habit. Uh, parents insisting their kids do these things. And then the kids, of course, take that into adulthood and teach their kids, and it becomes an important thing. And that's sort of an example of a should, right? You should do this, and it's incorporated into you. Maybe you've never thought about it. But I remember as I got older in college, I would say this, particularly yes, ma'am, to women, which I just kind of thought was cute. And it just was part of my vernacular in as much as saying y'all was. Um, not so not so much yes, sir, in a in a respectful way, but I would say I would use the term yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. And more than one woman was offended at me calling her ma'am because it implied something about her age. That was not part of the lesson. <laughs> and it created a novel situation for me to sort of say, oh, maybe this isn't uh, an acceptable cultural norm worldwide. And if it's not, then is it something that, if it's not universal, then what does that mean? It's cultural. And so if it's cultural in, uh, in a, where in one culture and it's appropriate and cultural in another sense is offensive, I really need to rethink whether or not this is going to be part of my vernacular. And so that's a perfect example of, you know, I never really thought about my position in the, R, in the, in the yes sir, yes ma'am situation. I was just, ta- well, not me again, but the people that I grew up with were just either taught it or not taught it, or even taught that it was, you know, uh, an age-related thing. Um, but certainly, uh, I think we can. If I was to think about that and go, hmm, I would come to the conclusion that, well, I don't care if I or my kids say yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, but I do care that they are respectful of their elders, of, of other people in the world, and particularly of their elders. So all of that comes into a nutshell. Now I feel like for that particular issue, I put it all out on the table. I assessed all the parts. I learned some things that I wasn't aware of through, in that process. And then I was able to make a decision given all the information that I have. And now I've sort of rewritten that sub part of my all R versus should. And I know that if I come into a situation where I hear somebody, and, and this has happened, tell my kids that you should say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, I'll have a conversation with my daughter and say, that's not necessarily true. The point of this rule is that you need to be respectful. And here's why. And if you don't want to do that, 
That's completely up to you. But, you know, respect is going to gain you this and not being respectful could potentially lose you these relationships. You make the decision for yourself uh, when it comes time. Because that's a minor thing. I don't have to say, you make a decision about smoking crack. I mean, I'm not going to say that. I mean, ultimately, I may say something to that effect. But whether or not you say yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, is not a a severe uh, situation. Um, Another one I think about a lot, because they talk about this in sailboats, is blue versus pink jobs. And sort of, uh, and this, this starts off as being a fairly mild or moderate issue, but could quickly become severe or, or very serious because it comes, it's, it's based on gender bias. In the boating world, you know, they basically say, well, if you're a man and a woman uh, or, or a, a couple in traditional male and female roles even on a sailboat, then, it, you know, a lot of the jobs that you do come down to um, jobs that are more suited for a woman versus more suited for a man, where the woman always cooks and the man always drives the boat or takes care of the oil changes or raises the sails or the hard, strong things. And the woman, you know, sews the curtains, um, which can work out really well for some people. And if two people are a couple and they both grew up with that particular societal norm as a very strong one, and their shoulds have always been, well, I should change the oil and I should cook the food, then maybe there's no problem. Uh, But personally, (laughs) I would rather get the inventory out you know, and this is something really we should do as individuals and probably as couples too, and sort of assess these things and decide these things up front before it goes on for too long. And that conflict between the R's and the shoulds gets creates isolation and then resentment between the people and the couple. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> complications in relationships could largely be attributed to differences in the the are versus shoulds. Like what part, what do you think you ought to do? And what do you feel like you should do with respect to gender roles? Me, I can just offer my explanation and potentially some insight about my wife's. Um, I think gender rules are unfair and I want to give a person as much leniency uh, and permission, if you will, to do what they want to do. Uh, if my, If we're on a boat and my wife wants to drive and change the oil, I'm not going to stand in her way, and I'll even help her. Uh, some things at the end of the day, like if we've got five 60-pound bags of concrete that we have to carry, it's probably just easier for me to do it because I'll do it faster because I am a little bit stronger than my wife. Um, but my, I have, I have addressed and um, dealt with the gender part of the R versus should. I understand that I have been taught and conditioned certain things about gender roles, but I don't agree with them. And I sort of wiped my slate clean and came up with what I thought was reasonable. Um, and that sometimes a, a gender, but more than a gender, it's a personality trait that's commonly correlated with gender, like being a nurturer. Sometimes when my daughter is throwing a hissy fit about nothing, I'm angry and don't want to put up with her BS Whereas my wife, her natural tendency, potentially related to her being a woman and me being a man, but not entirely, will step in and go, oh, it's okay, baby. You just need a hug. And and she'll calm her down. Whereas I, you know, insist upon whatever, and it doesn't necessarily resolve the situation. Hopefully that makes sense. So there, there, my point is that 
I don't know if gender is so much the issue, but it's definitely correlated to some overall personality traits. And that's more the way I look at it. Who wants to do this? Who's better suited to this? What makes the most sense right now? Let's move forward. I I don't bring to the table uh, a preconceived should uh, prescription from societal norms or religious norms or familial rules about shoulds in that situation. A big one, and I don't want to get into too much detail about this, is what should you do for work? And there's two basic schools of thought. One, and, and, you, and you can think about this as like when you're graduating from high school or going to college or when you're leaving home or when you're you know, making the transition from being a child to an adult and you got to take care of yourself, whatever that looks like in your particular situation. For me, it wasn't going to college. You need to go. You're going to spend some money, make an investment, and you're going to maximize the probability that that investment will result in you getting a good salary because that is the predictor for you having a quality life. So you go do a job that makes you money. You you can like it. I mean, you're obviously going to be interested in it because you picked it. Uh, but the, 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 So that leaves the door wide open for, really, is this something that you want to do? Or is this something that you're doing because you make money? And I think many of us hit midlife and go, what the hell am I doing this job is no, it sucks and I don't like it and I want to do something else. But if I do something else, I'm going to violate all those rules I was taught about money and happiness. And, I, and, 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 and this is huge for me personally and my wife personally and our families personally and looking at my daughters all graduating high school and starting their own lives. What are we doing with respect to the R versus should? We all go out and, and, and sort of we believe that the person that we are that wants to be a painter or just wants to have kids and settle down and, and live on a farm and, and eat the chickens that we raise and not have any money or any any dream that falls outside, you know, look at my American Dream episode and the new American Dream episode. Anything falls that falls outside the societal definition and the familial definition and the community definition uh, of successful, you 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 feel like you can't do, and that and that's a big that's a tragedy and, and a big part of the R versus should problem has to do with how we earn money or whether we earn money or how much money that we earn, um, and so job and career can be a moderate to serious conflict struggle in our heads because. There's something that we want to do, but quite often that doesn't earn enough money to make our parents or society think that we're successful or that we can possibly be happy or that we can have the house that we think we're supposed to have or the car that we're supposed to have. And the same thing goes for money um, and how much money you have and how you're going to do well because you know if you don't have any money, people look down on you. And if you have a whole lot of money, people treat you differently. Um, and to a lesser degree, we could also talk about the decision to have kids. Uh, do you feel pressure from religion, society, your family to have a family and have kids? Or, and maybe you just don't want them. Uh, and so that, that's probably a very common predicament. So that's a lot. Uh, hopefully that sort of lays out some groundwork for you so you can sort of think a little more about the complexities and the and the and the myriad ways that this problem um, permeates humans, <laughs> and look for examples. And you know, I don't, I'm not trying to ask you. I'm not looking for people to get upset or stressed out. It's just you know, I think it's a cool model to apply 
in our day-to-day lives. And then again, what we're going to start to do uh, sort of uh, next time is trying to separate the shoulds into different categories. Are these societal norms? Are these rules? Are these laws? Uh, have to, you, I don't want to wear clothes in public. Well, you're going to get arrested. And so that's a little bit different than you know following your heart and going naked everywhere because you're going to end up in jail. Um, and then I think what it what it'll what we'll get to next time is the idea that um, outside some there there's some fundamental governing shoulds in the world which I'll call, sort of call the golden rule. You should do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's going to be a big one. I'm not going to say that that one's flexible. So there, there are a few basic sort of rules of getting along in the world. Um, and then there's different tiers of, of how serious do we take this. Uh, and then there's just the world of opinions. Go back to episode one, facts. And you can ignore the shit out of those. And, and I will argue that learning to not care what people think is going to eliminate a huge amount of the R versus should problem. And, and again, we'll talk about that next time in episode 54. This has been episode 53, some examples of the R versus should problem. And I appreciate you sticking with me. Please comment below if you're on YouTube. If you're reading this, uh, go back to my blog page um, on my website and you can comment below there or email email me at kplusyes. I appreciate your help in figuring this problem out. I'm Chris Bircher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, Episode 53, R versus Should Examples. See you next week.